This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm sick with this, I'm sick with this. Since you went to the bottom, I just missed. My own sweet time didn't teach what I found. I didn't recognize you for this anymore. I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated, I don't want to be defeated. Hello, welcome back. Episode 150. That is crazy oh my god 150 episodes we're here we did it that is nearly three years I never thought I'd make it this far I remember when I first started the podcast how bad at editing I was Uh, I didn't know what I was doing talking to people Uh, I really you know just faked it until I made it and uh, here we are now episode 150 and so many people to thank but I want to thank first and foremost you Wherever you are in the world, listening to this podcast, if you're at work, if you're in the car, if you're taking a walk, maybe a run, maybe just literally just doing nothing sitting on your couch, jamming this thing. I It doesn't matter. You are the reason that this thing has existed up to 150 episodes. Wow. Thank you so much. And to celebrate a great episode with a guest that a lot of people wrote in about. A lot of people said, you got to get this guy on the show, and he's here. Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills, a band that has been somewhat under the radar, I feel, until now. They have a new record, The Silver Scream. It is out. It is out now. It just came out. It is Turning Heads. People are calling it Album of the Year, and it is definitely a very, very cool record with some great songs and a very cool concept as well. Spencer and I chat all about that and other stuff. It is a great, great chat. I'm very proud to have this one be episode 150. Before we get into that, as always, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to congratulate me on this milestone, yeah, feel free. Syndrome at gmail.com is the email address. I read all my emails. I try to write back to everybody too. And I definitely do, you know, take all the comments to heart. And uh, so if you have suggestions for upcoming guests to the show uh, or really anything at all, uh, feel free just to hit me up on there. Also, I'm on all the social media stuff, you know, like I say every week, Instagram, Twitter, and we have a Facebook page. Don't forget about Facebook. They're going to steal your personal information and do all these horrible things to you. But you know what? Just go like our page anyways because it's good for me. Okay? Uh, what else? Um, we also have the All Access Club. Okay? So if one episode every week is not enough, if you need more bonus content, if you want interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, merchandise, patches shipped to your house every three months, question and answer sessions with me we run contests we're doing a secret santa this year it just is an awesome community of like-minded individuals that we all love music we all love you know cool stuff so hey hit hit that up it really is it's just it's it's gonna make your life better i promise <laughs> head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access that is the link and uh 
as little $6 a month gets you in. And that's like, I mean, come on. That's that's not very much money. What is that? That's pennies a day, as they say. Again, I'll, I'll plug the link one more time. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Did I mention this is episode 150? Blows my mind. I love it. Right now, in my life, I am in Europe. I'm sitting in Hanover. No hangover in Hanover, which is nice. Didn't drink last night. Uh, voice is feeling a little raspy from this tour we're doing with Anti-Flag. I'm pushing it a little hard, but uh, it has been a great tour. We've sold out the first four shows on this run, heading into Germany, which, I mean, I think people probably know by now, is maybe my favorite country to tour in the world. So, yeah, if you're in Germany, uh, come out. Come hang with us at Anti-Flag. It's a great tour. Cancer Bats and Warriors are also there. We're also going to be in Netherlands and in Belgium. We're doing a couple crazy shows um, with with like Less Than Jake and a couple other bands. Uh, Real Big Fish, I think, are jumping on to do you know some shows with us as well. So it's going to be a really good time. It's it's just it's just great. And of course, after this, we're going. My band Silverstein, that is, we're going to the U.S. to do a big tour, and it's celebrating. Our first record, which is 15 years old, special guests Hawthorne Heights and As Cities Burn and Capstan. We're playing the whole dang record from start to finish. Then we're doing a second greatest hit set, not to be missed. So go get tickets. They are flying off the shelves. Believe me, we sold out a lot of shows. Second Toronto show added, though, which is going to be a very cool way to finish in our hometown. So get tickets when broken is easily fixed. Calm. Uh, yeah, so I think that just about covers it. But yes, um, again, I want to thank everybody at Jabberjaw Media, everybody that's worked there for three years, whether you started there and left, whether you've been there since the beginning. Everybody there has been so helpful to me for launching the show, keeping it going, and uh, just being the finest people. So thank you to everybody over there, especially Mike Mowry for, for being the commander-in-chief uh, I want to especially thank all of the members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. You know who you are. I know who you are. I just love you guys. Thank you so much for the love, the support. And again, I just want to thank you for listening to this wherever you are. Hit me up. Send me an email. Let me know how you've been enjoying the show. And uh, I really do appreciate that so much. All right, let's jump in. It's a long intro. Here's my talk. With Spencer of Ice Nine Kills. Drowning all our sins, drowning all mistakes, fueled by the flood we pay above the curse of Crystal Lake. He's seventeen dancing, we found this now escape. You just scratched the surface of the curse of Crystal Lake. We thought we were. What's up, Shane? Hey, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this uh, short notice. I know it must be a crazy uh, busy week for you. Oh, no problem, man. I, I've always wanted to do the podcast. And here we are. And I feel there like... There we are. I know. We've been talking about it. I've been talking with Mike you know, about doing it for a long time. And I feel like it's almost better that we waited because so much is about to happen. 
You know what I mean? It's the perfect time to talk. No, definitely. Yeah, we got the album coming up uh, in less than a week. So, yeah, Dude, we got yes. a lot of thought to talk yes. about. It is Monday morning right now, and the album comes out on Friday. And The Silver Scream, uh, this is uh, – I feel like this is this is like your – I don't even know how to say it. This is like the – the magnum opus or something. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously every record you put out as a band and, and like I hate the cliche interviews like this is the best thing we ever put out or, <laughs> or you know, we put we put so much more into this record than we've ever put into a record before, which you hear every time a band puts out a record. But with you guys, it's literally true. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I you, mean, there's, uh, there's a lot to, to talk about and a lot to digest I mean I don't even know if we should jump in right away I feel like it's Monday morning and the Patriots just won after everyone was freaking out that they were going to blow their season so maybe we should start with some football uh, yeah we'll start with some football looks like Brady's <laughs> back he, he found his groove again I guess Brady's back well it was the Dolphins but uh, everyone's like no man the Dolphins are uh, were they, I think they were 3-0 and everyone's like oh the Dolphins are going to beat the Patriots I was like no way dude I would bet so much money on <laughs> on that, and of course, what was it like? It was just a just a, they got their face kicked in, dude. It was brutal. Yeah, I don't know. The Patriots just they, they just can't. They they always bounce back. They always seem to win. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think they made a deal with the devil or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> this horror stuff just just creeps into every aspect of your life. Every aspect, man. Even football. Even football. Yeah, the devil. Well, devils. Devils definitely got. Brady's back, I think. Dude, you should get Bill Belichick in one of your videos just to play some creepy-ass dude. It would work. That would work. The only other Patriot work with Aaron Hernandez because he was a murderer. But yeah. Ooh, dark. Yeah, you went there. I went there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well, dude, hey, um, so you're in, I guess you're on the West Coast now. You've moved out to L.A., originally from Boston. How uh, How's the sunshine treating you? Dude, I love it. I, I've always wanted to be on the West Coast, you know. Uh, my dad sort of told me like almost 10 years ago, he was just telling me, you gotta, you gotta move to LA, you know, you're, you're, you're in the music business, you know, there's, there's so much that's going on there revolving around that, so many people to meet, and I was like, yeah, dad, I'll, I'll eventually get there, and 10 years later, I, I, I really do regret not moving out here oh, yeah. sooner, you know, I mean, you know, I, I love the East Coast, I'm an East Coast guy, but, you know, uh, yeah, I, I was there for so long. It was definitely time for for a change, and uh, yeah, I, I love everything about it. It's always nice to go back home, um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely something special out here in terms of uh, you know you know what, what we're doing and uh, great weather all the time, great restaurants, and I can't say enough good things about it. Absolutely, absolutely, man. So let's uh, let's start with the beginning, if you don't mind. I, I want to get into the new record and everything else that you guys have going on touring and everything but i figure let's just start at the beginning first time on the show uh, so so you grew up in massachusetts and it, it sounds like you know you're just talking about your dad i know you were very close with your family early on and, and still are so what was it like for you growing up in massachusetts um what was your family structure like and and how how was music kind of uh, ingrained into you in the, in the early part of your life well, it's interesting, you know. Um, no one really in my family were were musicians. You know, my my parents always loved music, and I remember, you know, my dad always playing like bands like Queen on, 
you know, a cassette tape when we would go to hockey. I was, I'm actually a hockey guy too. I know, oh. I know you guys are big hockey well, guys I'm from Canada. So like you have to be, of course you have to be. Yeah. So I grew up playing uh, youth hockey and I uh, was really into that. But I, I always had this, this love of music. I, it really started for me with Nirvana. You know, I had an old, uh, I have an older sister that was, uh, you know, about six years older than me. So I kind it kind of trickled down from whatever her and her friends would listen to. So I was always a little bit ahead of my time in the sense that, I, you know, I was the kid in fourth and fifth grade, you know, telling my friends, oh, you got to check out, you know, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, all these bands that were, um, you know, you know, from sort of like the Seattle scene. And right. I was sure. big, big into watching MTV and, you know, I would be the, the kid in class with like, you know, the white zombie shirt down to down to my knees because none <laughs> of the shirts fit me. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was always into that. Um, pretty much started playing guitar because of, you know, Kurt Cobain. I wanted to be Kurt Cobain. So I started, uh, you know, a cover band. And, you know, I'm talking we're real young, you know, like fourth and fifth grade. And the other kids at like the talent show were playing I don't know, you know, more like classically driven music or something that, you know, they would learn from their piano teacher right, during a piano right. lesson. And my band would get up there, and, you know, we played like, you know, Dive by Nirvana and Tomorrow by Silver Chair and, uh, you know, like Alice in Chain covers. So I was always into it really, really young. And, uh, you know, then from there really got into like, I was a big corn fan. You know, I went to like the first family values tour uh, in 97, I think. And from there, uh, you know, really got into punk music. You know, some of the first punk bands I liked were, you know, from the epitaph scene, you know, like no effects. And I loved bands like Goldfinger and real big fish and less than Jake and the whole warp tour scene. And, uh, Basically, you know, the, the I, I, I was always playing cover bands, and then I went to a Goldfinger show. It was Goldfinger and Mest oh, my yeah. freshman year in high school, and uh, something about that show just changed everything for me, the energy of it, and I got up on stage, and uh, John Feldman and him ended up giving me the mic to sing a, a line from Mabel, and I started the <laughs> band that night. I've got a tattoo behind my ear. Of the date of that show, love and it, and that's where it sort of all, all we, uh, it all began. Where was that show? Was it a Palladium or something? Yeah, that was. It was at the Whistler Palladium. It was yeah. actually the first time I ever uh, went to the Palladium. Um, yeah, and it was wow. just an amazing show. That's cool. And since I've been back there, and you know, played played the Palladium many times. So that that venue holds a very special. Oh, it's place totally, man. I love that story, and it's a similar. I'm from Toronto, and and for me, it's the Opera House. Here in Toronto, oh, that I've seen, um, that I've seen, you know, all the bands, and we're playing uh, Silverstein. We're playing the Opera House later this year, you know, for the last day of our tour. And you guys are playing the Palladium very soon for a CD release uh, show, isn't it? Is it the eleventh? You guys are playing? Yeah, yeah. So just so in it's about all like 10 full days. circle. Yeah, it's and, I, yeah. and I, it's a beautiful thing when when uh, as fans of music, we we you know, and kids, we get to do this in adulthood and still have this, you know, so much sentimental value with a place. And I mean, that's the thing, like if they ever close the doors on the Palladium or the Opera House or, you know, those kinds of venues, it would be, it'd be very sad. Dude, definitely. I mean, and the first time I ever saw Silverstein was at the Palladium, uh, oh, yeah? with, uh, with senses fail. Um, I think it was probably like 2004, 2005, yeah. Yeah, 2004, um, 2004. Yeah. And it was a great show. 
Well, thank you. That's crazy. That's. I think I think Madison may have been there on yeah. that show. Yeah. Really. Oh my God, Madison! Yeah. I forgot. Was about it name that taken band. too? I don't know. If it, name could, taken it could or have something. been name taken. They're a band that we played quite a bit with. Uh, it was it Emmanuel too. Oh man, it might have been. I always loved Emmanuel as well. Uh, Emmanuel, one um, of those just very, very underrated bands. That that first oh, Emmanuel oh, record dude. still like still holds. I still throw it on from time to time. Still soundtrack to a head rush that's it yeah great record, yeah man. great sounding record too i always loved how the the bass sounded on that record yeah. especially on like make tonight i was like that's the bass tone that i want that band is yeah incredible dude you know your shit uh so i want to get this straight so you were in grade four or grade five playing in let's just say you know like a grunge band <laughs> How yeah. did you? How did you acquire a good? Like, there's some steps that that took place to get you there. How did you get yeah. a guitar? Did you take lessons? Did did your you know, like parents? Obviously, they ha- were instrumental in that at such yeah. a young age. How did that kind of happen? My parents were just always really, really cool. You know, they 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 always encouraged me for whatever I wanted to do. You know, whether it was waking up at six a.m. on a Saturday to take me to. Uh, you know, an ice rink to play on my team or buying the guitars. And, um, yeah, they were just always really supportive of whatever I was doing. And I, I think, um, uh, you know, the first time I had lessons, I, I, I had a teacher. His name, his name is Mr. Shepard. I always remember that. He's a great music teacher at my school that I went to. And uh, every week I would go and take lessons from him and, he was great. You know, he would show me all the basics, like, you know, the pentatonic scales and <laughs> modes and stuff. But uh, the the part of the lesson that I was always really excited about was the end because that's when I would take out whatever CD I was currently cranking at the time and have him teach me how to play the song. You know, yeah. this was before – really before I was, you know, really well-versed with the internet. You know, at the time, I think it was just starting to really take off. And, uh, you know, there wasn't tab, – tabs weren't readily available yet. So I would count on him to show me, you know, how to play, you know, Offsprings Come Out and Play or something like right. that. And that, that was my favorite part of the lesson. I love that. And, um, yeah, and then – and from there it was like uh, before I, I had really started a band – I would go to this arts festival at my school they would have every year. And at the end of the night, bands would get up um, and play. And there was one band, they were a bit older than us, and they were playing like Breed by Nirvana. And I think they played an Offspring song. And, and then I was like, man, we got to get our own cover band together. Right. And then we started, I think we were called the Electric Pancakes, I think was the name of the there band. That sounds, that sounds like a <laughs> totally like a band name of that era. Of that totally, age. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, so, I mean, obviously, too, a big part of your band, your life, is literature, film, especially the horror genre. That has just been a huge part of your career. How, how when did that uh, kind of start to become such an important part of your life? It must have been at a pretty young age as well, I assume. Yeah, you know, with, with literature, uh, again, it sort of trickled down from my sister. She was a big Kurt Vonnegut fan. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it this actually started sense. from... This makes right, sense with the band name, yes. Right, right. So, exactly. So I, I was trying to figure out what to call our band. And she said, you, you know, you got to check out this, this novel, Cat's Cradle. And 
there's, you know, there's this substance called Ice-9, and it essentially, you know, has the power to destroy the world. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> so from there, you know, I really got into that. And, um, you know, in high school and in middle school, you'd have um, books you'd have to read. So at first it kind of turned me off because it was just like, you know, a chore, like homework. But then I started to really get into it and, and realize there was, you know, awesome books like Dracula, you know, Animal Farm, another book that I think that was one of the ones that got me into reading early because someone sort of said, hey, this book is so short, you could finish it in like an hour. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. So that's where the literature kind of um, started to rear its head in my interests. And as far as horror, again, at a very young age, probably seven or eight, I would go uh, to the grocery store with my mom and to kill time. I would go into this VHS video store back when those were a thing that was attached to the grocery store. And while she was doing her shopping, I I would go in there. And for for whatever reason, I was just drawn to the aisle that said horror. You know, I would look at the the covers of these VHS tapes like Halloween and Friday the 13th and, you know, some of the more uh, more obscure obscure ones like, uh, you know, Sleepaway Camp. And it was just like, this seems so badass. You know, I'm, you know, eight year old kid looking at this stuff. I was like, what is this? I got to see it. And again, my parents were really cool and let me see those movies. And I think they assumed, hey, he'll, he'll grow out of it. And, you know, 25 years later, I'm, I'm talking on the phone about it right now. So, uh, right. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. It's funny how that works out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say earlier and I didn't. I said, and now I think it would maybe be a cool name for, for a pop punk band. I was like, it, it would be funny instead of Ice Nine Kills if you called your band the Chalfamadorians. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it would be I a good name for a, it would be a good name for like a pop, yeah, like a pop punk band, I think. I think it would work. I'll, I'll have to start a pop punk band. I like pop punk. There you I'm go. Have, right have, me on for, have me on for a guest spot if you, if you Dude, ever that'd end be up sick. doing it. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a similar story to me too, and I, and it's it's funny, I guess, like because when you know, I, I'm not sure how much younger you are than me, but it doesn't sound like very much. Like I'm I'm 37. You got to be 32. In, you're in your 30s, yeah. So yeah. so it's the same. You know, we grew up in the same era, and and that whole idea of going to the video store is such a lost art on kids these days. You know, because everything's like, oh, what? Well, I'm gonna like look on Netflix for a half an hour to figure out what I'm gonna watch. And now it used to be I'd go to the video store and I'd look around for like a good 45 minutes to to decide what one or two movies I was going to rent. And it was like, yeah, you'd go in the different sections. And I remember going into the horror section in my little video store, you know, around the corner and seeing movies like one of the ones I remember renting, which was not the best, was The Blob. You know, I just course, yeah. I just wanted to watch it because it had like a ridiculous you know movie box or or whatever. Right. But but all that stuff you could watch. And I remember one of the scariest movies I ever, still to this day probably one of the greatest was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of course, you know, and those are all movies that I watched you know around that age just because I was like I don't know what's this and I, <laughs> I never knew what it was. I just saw the box and took right. it home and and watched it. There was no internet to tell me what it was and. Like some of those movies scared the shit out of me. Like Pet Pet Cemetery, that movie <laughs> freaked me out, dude. When I watched it, when I was like, I don't know, probably like nine or ten. No, absolutely, man. And and, and you're right. I, I miss uh, the whole vibe of 
being in a video store and walking around to the aisles and it's like you had to sort of take a chance because with Netflix, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you're watching a movie and like within two minutes, you're like, this sucks. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. But you really had to take sort of a leap of faith and the cover art was so important and <laughs> it, it really sold you on, on what you were going to get that night. And I really do uh, miss and cherish the memories of, you know, you know, I remember specifically, you know, being going to Florida on vacation like every Christmas and my cousin and I would go to Blockbuster every single night and rent something new. And I agree with you. I, I miss those days. That's why I think that, you know, while Netflix and all those things are, you know, convenient, you know, sometimes progression is like regression sometimes. Like, I don't know. I just I just miss the, the good old days of the of the of the movie stores. No, I know it's 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 lost, especially now, like. I don't know, you're on Netflix and there's like a percentage that you're going to like the movie or whatever. Like, oh, this is right. a 98% match. It's like, that didn't happen when you walked into a store and tried to grab a VHS tape. And and like, <laughs> I remember the times when you when like someone would forget to rewind it and you just put the tape right. in and then it would start in the middle. Like, oh, I guess that character's going to die. Great. Okay, well, I'll, right, rewind, right. I'll rewind the movie now and watch it anyways. You know, like those, those are things no one remembers even, you know, that, that, that used to happen. So, yeah, that's probably the only thing I, I don't miss is having to rewind the tape. That's uh, the only thing I don't yeah. miss. I, it was never, it was never good. Uh, what movie back from those, um, from those days, your early days, was there any that really either scared you or made a huge impact on you that you just thought about over and over and over again? And maybe you still think about well, uh, for me, the, the holy grail of the slasher genre, which is, is my favorite genre of horror, would be Halloween. And uh, I believe that was the first one I ever saw. And there was just something so terrifying about, you know, being eight years old and seeing that, that white mask and, and, and John Carpenter's score, you know, obviously, which is unbelievable, like sort of like the definition of iconic horror music. Uh, it, it really scared the shit out of me, and that that's what really, really got me into the genre. And from then, of course, all the Friday the 13th and uh, <laughs> more obscure yeah. ones like Silent Night, Deadly Night. So I was a really big fan for, for, for years, and then another movie that really sort of reinforced my love of the genre was in, in 1996, and at that point, the only horror movies I'd ever seen were on VHS, or maybe, you know, I would catch something on cable or something. So I went to the theater to see Scream. Oh, of course. And uh, I'm one of the only people who's, who's like, you know, my age that, that can say I saw Scream in the theater. You know, everyone's seen Scream, but I was 11 at the time. Wow. And... Uh, my yeah, parents took young. me to, yeah, I was young. Yeah. As I said, my parents were cool, but you know, we, we were on vacation in Florida and everyone was buzzing about it at the beach saying, Oh man, people are saying like, this is the best horror movie since Halloween. So I was like, shit, I gotta see this. So I went into the theater and like from like the, like maybe 30 seconds in or something, or a minute in. Oh, the, the killer, first scene is so iconic. Yeah, I mean, so amazing. And, and the killer is talking about Halloween and Friday the 13th. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, right, shit, right. I'm in a horror movie and they're the killer is referencing Jason and Michael. And right there, I was like, dude, this is going to be my favorite movie of all time. And it really still to this day is one of my favorites of all time. 
And that just kind of again just reinforced my love of the genre. Totally. And, it, and to me is one of the is one of the best slasher movies of all time because it's so self referential and not only is it funny, it really at the time was so scary. I thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's and so many classic scenes now. It's 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 funny, yeah. Like at the time it was almost like I don't I don't know how to say it. Like it was cuz it was like a spoof of the genre in a way. You know what I mean? And right. It was like it yeah. was like he was and especially as Wes Craven, you know, so he's almost like referencing his own work in a way. So it almost seems like um I don't know, like a trick, like a gimmick. You know, right. at the time, a little bit. And I was, I mean, I was like 15, I guess, when it came out. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it, you know, probably right when it came out on video. And I right. remember thinking it was a little bit like, like I was, I was old enough still to understand that it was a little gimmicky, but I still liked right. it, you know? Um, right. Absolutely. It's funny, you know, your, your new video for, um, uh, shit, what was the last one you put, the last video you put out? The long uh, one. we did, uh, Grave Mistake, thank God it's mistake. Friday. Yeah, Grave yeah. Mistake. And it's funny, you know, when you're, you're, like, the beginning of the video, when you're leaning into the car, uh, you know, talking to the, the private investigator or whatever, like, whatever the, 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 the concept is, the therapist, uh, I really got a vibe from Scream, you know, when the boyfriend's yeah. at the window, you know, like leaning dude, in. Yeah. In fact, well, I almost felt felt like you kind of look like him a little bit. Well, uh, dude, that's one of the best compliments I've ever been given. <laughs> because no, honestly, dude, that's what I was were going to, for. That you were going for that? 100%. Yeah, I totally right away was like, this reminds me of that scene in Scream when he's at the bedroom window. No, hundred percent. I'm glad you said that because what I was trying to get across was that Billy Loomis vibe of the right. exact character character you're describing. So, well, yeah. thank you. No, you nailed that. it. Hey, man, I got to plug in my computer. Can you hang on one second? Oh, uh, yeah, no yeah, problem. Thanks. I got forty. I got forty percent when I start, and now it's at four percent. Fucking Apple, man. Fucking Apple, man. We're good. Though. We're good now. It's all bullshit. We're good. I, now. I feel like there's some guy at that factory just pressing a button, saying, "Okay, all these phones that were bought this time, they're just not going to work anymore." <laughs> I mean, didn't they kind of admit that that's a thing? Yeah, I think it's not, but I think we all knew that that was it was all bullshit. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, man. So, so the, the new album for the people that don't know, and it comes out on Friday, which will be, which will all, it'll already be out by the time this comes up. So go check it out. Uh, one of the coolest things I think is, is, you know, it's a concept album and every song is about a specific horror film. And what are you doing now? What are you doing back there? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm trying to plug my computer in now. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, you got You can't be too careful. You know, they'll get you. It's the man with the button. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about the concept. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah, man. But but my question is just about how you actually recorded vocals in some iconic horror locations. Now. That's a that's cool, and that's like a cool thing to tell people. And oh my god, this is like authentic. But how do you actually logistically work that out to say, okay, I want to record? I don't know. T- tell me what you did. How did you do that? So ba- ba- basically, it was all just done secretly. You know, I wasn't going to knock on their door and be like, hey, can I? I'm, I'm a crazy uh, musician that loves horror films. 
can I uh, borrow your bathroom for a few hours and record some music? So basically what I did is I just brought my a little setup and I uh, kind of snuck around the property. Like I went on the lawn of, uh, you know, what is 1428 Elm Street from Nightmare on Elm Street. That's not actually the street Elm Street, but it is the number, which is the iconic number from the series, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I just I just snuck on the property and, you know, if someone would walk by walking a dog, I just kind of pretend like I was just, you know, maybe like a landscaper. I don't know why a landscaper would have <laughs> Screaming a, as loud as you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know why a landscaper would have a microphone and uh, no landscaping equipment, but I don't, I'm pretty quick on my feet, so I might have been just like, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for my buddies, uh, blah, 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 uh, to bring the equipment. So that's what I did, and I did that. Uh, also, I did it in Pasadena at the original Michael Myers house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was all sort of like um, post-production, not post-production, but, you know, I had wrapped most of the, the vocals on the record. So it was just like little tidbits to get in there. Some of like the really creepy, like whispering stuff that right, that right, we put right. on the record. So for me, it was more about, you know, you know, I didn't record like the main vocal of a chorus on okay. someone's lawn, but it was <laughs> like the, the little like ear candy, the creepy stuff, just so that we could get audio on the actual tracks that was recorded at the property. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, must have, thank I you. mean, it must have channeled a, a certain vibe and feeling, too. Like, you know, because you're a fan of, of – let's just take Halloween, for example, right? You're you're a huge fan of the, of the film. You've written a song based on the films, which obviously is means a lot to you. And then there you are standing there. Like that must have been a very cool feeling to try to channel and evoke a certain emotion in you uh, that hopefully gets conveyed to the song, to the album. Oh, absolutely, man. And uh, I had visited um, those locations in the past. I remember, you know, the first time like being, you know, near the, the Michael Myers house, it would just it just floored me, you know, and. You know, some people don't understand that kind of stuff, and I, and I get that. But you know, for for, for real diehard horror fans or, or, or fans of of cinema, when you go to the actual location of uh, your favorite movies, it's just like I don't know. It, it, it's sort of like a chill-inducing moment, at least for me. And that's what um you know I'm hoping to get from the reaction of the album. Absolutely. And uh, I, I love the fact that people are uh, you know finding out about you know that i did do that and sort of went the extra mile because at the end of the day you know i'm i'm a fan of bands and i'm a fan of film and i try to think about what i would want and what stories i would want to hear surrounding an album of my favorite band no totally and you guys have constantly i feel like in terms of your popularity it's been a very slow and steady uh, uh climb you know, oh, you, you guys have gained popularity over so many years without having, you know, a big hit or a huge, a huge tour or something, you know, big happening. And OK, all of a sudden they're on this level. It's been so consistent. Uh, is that I mean, that must be nice, but also maybe you don't feel like you get the credit you deserve for how much you really like thought and work and time and everything you put into this band. Definitely, man. You know, I, I mean, I, I you know I'm not going to lie to you. But, you know, there are many, many years where it was a very frustrating 
uh, process. You know, we would we would get to a certain level, and then you know something would hold us back. Either being like, you know, a, a label that we were attached to for a long time years ago was sort of like a, a big uh, anchor weighing us down, and we couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- there were definitely you know many years where we felt like yeah, you know we think we're we think we're good. You know, you know why isn't it working? Like why can't we get this tour? Why can't we do this? But a few years ago, that feeling just started to just like dissipate, and it was it was even sort of before things started to go really well. And it just you know, I sort of came to the point where it's like, you know, what? I'm just having fun. You know, I'm I'm not going to worry too much about this tour or if this label likes us. And I'm just going to start to do what I want. And honestly, that's really when we started to see a bit more success. Um, when we stopped worrying about what other bands were doing or started stop worrying about what are the things we need to include in a quote-unquote metalcore song or right. is this heavy enough? And we just started to say, like, let's just do some crazy shit. And, you know, I don't think, you know, by any means we're the most original band to ever play metalcore. But I think, you know, we're, we're trying to do something, whether it be, you know, the concept or, you know, including uh, overly theatrical stuff, uh, that we're trying to do something a, a little bit different to give our fans something exciting because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to make it uh, so that our fans who we love really have something to, to say, hey, hey, you know, check this. You got to check this band out, man. This is something that's really helping me escape from reality on this week. Absolutely. It's summer. It's hot outside. I know a lot of us are enjoying the weather out in the backyard or on a patio, and personally, I love to grab a refreshing Miller High Life. Miller High Life is unpretentious, high quality, and is there to celebrate the wins of every day, big or small, whether it's a promotion at work, finishing off some tasks around the house, or even just finding all your socks in the dryer. It's within everyone's reach and was founded on that principle back in 1903 that everyone should enjoy the good life. It's still brewed the same way with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles either in an iconic glass bottle or for this summer in limited edition champagne cans. It brings pride to those simple summer moments that don't have to be big to call for celebration. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. A quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for design or development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and Map My Fitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. 
If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. And I think in some ways, you know, this album coming out on Friday, you know, being the... I don't remember what I said earlier. Magnum opus, which is a little ridiculous, but you know, it, it like you know, if 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 you were a kid and you found out about your band, let's say maybe you saw you guys on Warp Tour or you know in the last little while, and they're like, oh, they have this new album coming out. It really is. This album is really like everything that you guys are encompassed into a record. So in a way, I feel like this is going to be the breakthrough album. This is going to be the album that ever all your fans are like, why is this band not bigger? And they're going to tell all their friends who are going to tell all their friends. And I think of that Wayne's World thing, you know, tell their two friends who tell their two <laughs> friends. But, but it's a real friends. thing. And then I think it's going to it's going to kick off, you know, for you guys. So, I mean, are you guys expecting a, a big first week? Are you expecting things to climb to the next level when this album comes out? Or are you just kind of, you know, you know, I don't your expectations? Sell- yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to set my expectations too high, but you know, I'll definitely say that I'm, I, I've seen things on the lead up to this album that I've never seen before. Right. Uh, as far as just you know numbers, you know, uh, you know, getting into the metrics of things. I mean, you're in the business, so I'm sure you you look at that stuff. Just things like you know, at the beginning of of Warp Tour, we had like you know three hundred thousand monthly Spotify listeners, which isn't bad. Yeah, and now like it's eight hundred thousand. Yeah, so it's yeah. like to see that jump, you know, almost to the point where it's three times and just uh, three times as much in just a few months, and uh, it's definitely exciting. And uh, uh, I'm very optimistic, yeah. I guess I would say. And uh, we've got some really cool tours on the horizon one of which i can't announce because it's you know won't be announced for months that will be our big that will be our biggest tour we've ever done with some of the biggest bands we've ever done so i'm I'm really excited man but uh you know as a cliche as it sounds like if it ended tomorrow i really would be proud of what we've done and 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 what we've accomplished you know things like you know, in 2008, you know, we snuck on the entire Warp Tour <laughs> because they wouldn't put us on. And we sold CDs every day in the blistering sun. So actually sold like 10,000 CDs doing that. Yeah. So to come full circle and like, you know, 10 years later be playing on the last one to really big crowds. And, it, you know, it's just one of those full circle moments where um, I'm sort of just, you know, appreciating all those things that I hope we'd eventually attain. Absolutely. No. And, and to talk about some more numbers, the American nightmare already has over 3 million plays on Spotify. That's like pretty insane for, you know, a standalone, like, well, not a standalone single. I assume the song is going to be on the album, but you know, a single you guys put out already has, is your number one track and has a, a you know that many streams. Uh, what do you think it is about that song that's resonated with people already? 
I, I think that um, you know the way in which we rolled it out, we, we, we tried to be really sort of cryptic about what we were doing. And, and from sort of the onset of writing the song, I always pictured, you know, because it, it's about Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger, uh, you know, using like the American flag, but instead of the stripes of, you know, our flag, Freddy's stripes. So I think that there was something yeah. cool about uh, cool. the marketing of that. And, um, you know, I think it's one of my favorite courses I've ever written, um, sort of like that kind of four on the floor thing, which we've never really experimented with. And uh, I don't know. I mean, we just went into it saying, like, let's let's make a ripper, man. And uh, the kids seem to like it. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's like. It's like, you know, if you had the formula to make, you know, a song that connects with people, you know, you would do it every single song. So sometimes it's just like <laughs> lightning strikes for some for some reason. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Of course. Of course. Lightning but in you, a can't, bottle. you can't do it every time because if you did it every time, it wouldn't be special anymore. Right. You know, exactly. So, exactly. So there has to be a certain amount of that. Uh, so I know you're keeping some of this information about the record a little bit close to your chest, which I think is cool for your fans. You're not you're not talking about um, you know which songs are uh, with which movies and something like that. But I'm one I'm wondering if you'll give me the exclusive on uh, one of the tracks and one of the movies and what it's about. If you you know maybe something you haven't talked about yet. Uh, yeah, just absolutely. For some of your especially fans that tune into this. Yeah, especially because I mean it'll be after the album comes out. That's exactly. Fine. Yeah. So maybe you know maybe you already have done your track by track or you know, give an alternative press everything cause they want everything. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, I don't, I'm just kidding, but you know, um, uh, giving it to some outlet, but it would be cool if you just did, you know, give me something here. I think your fans would appreciate it. Give me a reason to no, tune definitely. In. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, w- w- what's been such a fun part of the process is that we hadn't revealed, uh, you know, what they were all about. I sort of just posted, the track listing and what I like to do is try to make, you know, clever song titles and maybe allude to what song is about which film. So seeing kids guess. Um, but I'm not really sure if anyone has gotten that the song Freak Flag is about the devil's rejects. I don't know if anyone has okay. actually gotten that correct. So that would be exclusive. Um, cool. Also, the song Love Bites is about uh, an American an American werewolf in London. Oh yeah, and you know, yeah. So I've seen, I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, get that wrong. So there you go. There you go. Hey, there you go from the horse's mouth. Uh, so talk yeah. about the Devil's Reject, for example, and, and I guess, you know, going just using this as an example, but I guess for all the songs, did you when you were writing these? Um, this album did you go back and watch the movies again or when you're writing the lyrics did you go back and watch the movie to try to get some inspiration or were you just kind of going from your head of, of what happens in the movies because sure, there's no doubt you've seen Halloween like a million times right, I just wonder right. if you went back to keep it kind of fresh and maybe find something you didn't a different perspective on it well you know I, I chose these movies because I honestly like I know them like the back of my hand, yeah. and I've um, it, to me like these kind of movies are like favorite records. You know, every once in a while I'll put uh, you know through being cool on from Save the Day. <laughs> sure. You know, just because yeah. you know whatever. It's just a, a record that I revisit when I revisit it. All that you know, you know, t- once every couple months. So honestly, these movies, anytime I see them on or I'm bored and I put something on, it'll, you know, most likely in horror, it'll be one of those movies. But definitely. 
when we were sitting there going through and writing writing the riffs or trying to gain inspiration, we'd have that shit on in the background just as like, a, you know, a visual backdrop to try to pull something out of us or remember that like, you know, in the crow, you know, Eric Draven at one point is on top of, uh, you know, the roof of the building playing guitars like, well, dude, we got to put a guitar solo on this song to, to, to sort of <laughs> totally, homage man. that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, watching Friday the 13th as we were putting it together, I'm realizing that, wow, at the end, it, it's such a such a cool thing that, you know, you think she's safe in the canoe and there's this beautiful Harry Manfredini uh, score playing in the background. And then all of a sudden, Jason jumps out of the water and I'm, as I'm watching, I'm like, wouldn't it be so cool if we ended the song like that, ended it like the end of the movie? So definitely... Uh, watch them again and or had them on in the background to, to see what else it could pull out of me. Right. Very, no, very, very cool. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, this has got to be at least 10 years ago. Uh, I think it was the band Dirty Projectors. They covered Damaged by Black Flag. They covered the entire record, but they covered it without listening to it. Like they, oh, really? they covered it like based on how they remembered it like in their oh, heads like cool. they haven't heard it in 15 years well you'd think it would be cool i'm not i'm not <laughs> a huge fan of it like maybe that's like you know uh i'm trying to think of a horror movie reference of of like you know something you just don't touch but you, you know what i mean but but like right that's the it's the idea of how your memory of something in the reality of what it is you know it's like when you look at all that mandela effect stuff when or when people would swear that that for, in forrest gump he says Life is like a box of chocolates, but he doesn't. He says life was like a box of chocolates, right? You, you know, so there's those kinds of things that you misremember, uh, especially happens in, in movies and with quotes. So that's that's just why I asked that question, because I, you know, I think I think you know, everyone's memory of something is different. And apparently, from what I've heard, when you remember something that happened, you don't actually remember it, the, the event. You remember the last time you remembered it. So it's kind of like this this big, long game of telephone. Yeah, I read this article. I don't know. Maybe it's bullshit. But that's what I – and it makes sense why your your memories sort of degrade. And, you know, I remember like this show we played. It was uh, one of the – maybe the first time we ever played in Southern California as a band. And I'm sure you remember the first time you got to play in Southern California because it's a big deal. Of course. It's a huge deal. Especially for us being from the eastern part of the United States and Canada – so we played in, in Corona, California at the, I think it's called the Showcase Theater or Showplace uh-huh. Theater. I don't remember. It's Corona, California. And when I remember it back in my head, it's like a sold out show. People going crazy, like the most insane <laughs> show like you've ever seen, right? Right. I recently found a VHS tape of that show. There is no more than 45 people there. And they are standing there watching us. And maybe there's like five kids dancing. But, you know, your memories change of like what something was, you know? Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. That That's why I, and I, I've had the same experience, like thinking, oh, man, that show was just insane. And then I watch a video like... Oh, that wasn't really as insane as I remembered it. That's sometimes why I don't watch those videos. I like to remember it the way I want to remember it, right? That's right, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Damn, dude. Uh, well, dude, thanks for thanks for doing this. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you probably have lots of lots of stuff to do this week. 
you know, with press and, and everything else. A couple more things, though. Um, you have some insanely cool and very different guests and features on this album. We got Randy from Finch, which, you know, makes some sense. Less Than Jake playing horns. That's a bit out of left field. And Phoenix TX. That's a band. That's a name band name I haven't heard in a while. Uh, talk to me about these cameos, and maybe there's some other ones I I didn't uh, I didn't uh, hear, hear about. Yeah, dude, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I guess you know from talking to me and some of my references, I'm sure you can see at heart. I'm you know I'm a pop punk kid. I'm a ska guy. That's that's what I grew up <laughs> nice, on. Nice. And um, you know I was huge huge into the drive through record scene. You know I would buy whatever they put out, and still some of those are my favorite bands. And you know two of my favorite bands from that era, Phoenix TX. I remember seeing them with Blink all the time whenever I would go see them. And Finch was, you know, one of the first bands like that, you know, had some screaming that was sort of combining. It was like, you know, the emo and the pop punk stuff. And so for those, uh, I, I randomly met Randy from Finch when he was living back in Salem, Massachusetts when I was there. He's a great dude. I love him. He's a great dude. I remember uh, mentioning that I was going to do this. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love Shane. So I'm glad you guys are, are buds. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we've been friends for for about, I don't want to say about two years. And uh, he moved back to L.A. And when we were writing this song called The Jig Is Up, and, and, and again, Finch has always been an influence on me melodically. I was like, dude, this course is very like – perfection uh through silence from what it is to burn i was like let's get randy to play guitar on this song and i called him up and he was so down to do it and he really likes i sign kills so that was really awesome nice uh then with phoenix tx you know uh, we were playing slam dunk fest i'm sure you guys have played it um in the uk yeah And uh, Phoenix Sex was on the bill, and I ended up, uh, you know, becoming friends with those guys, hanging out one wild night. I think it was in Leeds, and just sort of kept in touch with them. And then, I don't know, about six months ago, I I thought, you know, Will has mentioned that, you know, he'd love to write sometimes. So I went to um, his buddy's uh, studio, uh, and uh, his name is Joe, and he's got a really cool setup in the back of his house he's got like a little sort of uh, almost like um you know just standalone area where he does all of his recordings and we ended up writing a song together uh the chorus for what ended up being it is the end so i got him to do the vocals on it and again you know it's like working with people that you grew up being inspired by was such a awesome experience you know and um then with this uh, song, It Is The End, when, when we were writing it, I was like, dude, this, this is a song. It's about it. It's about Pennywise the Clown. And it has that circus vibe. I was like, dude, it would be so perfect if a band like, you know, Real Big Fish or Less Than Jake played, played the horns on this. And uh, through uh, Dave Shapiro, 
who books less than Jake. Uh, my manager, uh, Mike Mowry, you know, is good friends with Dave. And just a shot in the dark, just like, let's let's ask less than Jake if they do it. And they, like, got back right away. They're like, this is so cool. Like, no heavy band has ever asked us to do anything like this. And they ended up, like, recording it in, like, a couple of days in between two European tours. Wow. Like, they went out of their really cool. way. To really like, cool. And, you know, you've toured forever, you know, when you come back from a European tour, the last thing you want to do is anything, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Right. So they got it together and they just killed it on the track and it gives it this really cool vibe. And that's also the one that Wells from Phoenix X is on. Nice, and nice. we also got my, my friend Tony from Mest. Uh, oh, to really? sing one oh, song, I didn't know yeah. That. Oh, crazy! And you know that was like another one of my favorite punk, uh, pop punk bands growing up, who were who had played at that show that sort of changed my life when I started of the course, band with, with Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Wow, right? It really has come so full the, circle. So full circle, and then. Uh, we have uh, Jeremy Schwartz singing on one track. He he started the band with me and hasn't been in the band for you know almost ten years, which was really cool. Oh, so he came back. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's so that's... he came back. Yeah, it was cool. You know, especially yeah. for like the old Ice Nine Kills fans who remember his voice being on recordings. And then the last one, uh, this girl Ch- Chelsea Talmadge, who's an actress. She um, you know had a small role on the Stranger Things show, and. Oh, yeah. And she's just had a beautiful voice. And because of that and sort of the connection with like, you know, horror and sci-fi, we thought it would be such a cool little treat. Very cool. So those are, those are the, uh, the guest spots. Very cool. Okay. So you guys, the record's coming out on Friday. You guys are gearing up for a few CD release shows and then a tour with the Treyu and Memphis May Fire. Uh, talk to me about that stuff. What can people expect? Um, a lot of new songs I, I, already, or are you kind of working them in slowly? What's the plan? You know, work. Yeah, we're going to work them in slowly. We're definitely, you know, I've already uh, released uh, two over the summer. We're going to play a grave mistake, which just came out um, a couple weeks ago. We're going to introduce another song that's going to be uh, released with a video shortly after the album comes out, like a week into it. And yeah, I'm just really excited to get out there and play play these uh play these new songs we've got a bunch of cool things and events uh tonight um we are going to have a listening party at, at michael myers house in pasadena california which is pretty cool how you how do you logistically work that out how's that so basically so there's a uh a gallery called the sugarman gallery that is basically attached to the Michael Myers house in Pasadena and they have a ton of, uh, you know, movie memorabilia and, cool. and unbelievable, like, you know, um, behind the scenes, original photographs from the movie. And, and we worked it out with them. So they're, they're going to, uh, host that. And then we have, um, something in Salem, Massachusetts, which is sort of perfect for the environment Absolutely. of the album. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a theater screening of the silver scream, the, the, the film that accompanies the, the music videos and uh, going to do like a Q and a with the cast there. And then to sort of top it all off, we're going to be doing a acoustic performance in the, the garage from the house from scream. That last scene in Scream where Rose McGowan, of course, yeah, uh, gets uh, the door, yeah, yeah, crushed by the garage. So we're going to be doing that in Santa Rosa, California, at the end of the month, and then just you know a bunch of great shows in between. Playing the Palladium, playing in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, we're playing a bunch of places. It's going to be awesome. 
That's very, very cool. No, and it's very cool you guys take your bands, you know, so seriously and, and that you do a lot of cool stuff that, that it, you know, because you guys are almost like, you know, people talk about concept albums unless, yes, you're doing this, but in some ways you're a concept band. It's very true. Because without without the, the film and literature, you know, uh, influences and stuff, you know, that's that's what that's what your band is. That's what everyone talks about. So it's uh, it's really good that you guys embrace that. I th- I thank you for that. Thanks a lot. It's a lot of fucking work, though, isn't it? It's a lot of work, you know. But it, <laughs> it's 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 working with uh, you know stuff that I love, and you know the cliche if you if you work with something you love or you do something you love, you don't really work. So that that's most of the time how I feel. There Obviously, there are days, but. You know, sure, I, I enjoy what we're doing. For sure, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, during your busy week to speak with me. And uh, anything else you want to tell the people before I let you go? Uh, just, you know, thank you guys for the continued support. And you will be seeing us playing the Silver Scream at a uh, theater or venue near you over the next two years. So come on and hang out with us. All right. Two years of, two years of shows. Okay. I l- always play music at the end. I like to ask the guest when I can what tune I should play I assume something from the new record it will be out when this airs so uh, what should I play for the people I'd say play American Nightmare it's a great uh, kickoff to the album and uh, I think it'll close out the show nicely alright here is the American Nightmare by Ice Nine Kills on Lee Singer Syndrome thank you very much Spencer appreciate it thanks a lot Shane dreams are normal too going to bed at a regular time Your head is
So there is a jam, a ripping jam from Ice Nine Kills, and uh, their new record is out now. I want to thank Spencer for taking the time out of the very busy release schedule. You know, you got this week where you got all this lead up to this record coming out, and you've worked so hard on it. So for him to take, you know, basically an hour out of his his day uh, to talk to me was was very cool of him. So much love to him and everybody in the Ice Nine Kills camp. So yeah, go check out that record. Uh, what else? Hey, if you like this show, please tell a friend, tell a loved one, let them know we're celebrating milestones over here, 150 episodes. And uh, if you really like the show and you want to help me out, do check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I promise you will get something very cool out of it. You will meet friends and the bonus content alone is worth it. So check it out. And uh, yeah, if you like the show also, um, you can write a review on iTunes. That does help me out too, apparently. Just give me five stars. All right, well, hey, uh, I'm out of here, but I want to thank you again for everything. And next week, we will be back with a brand new podcast once again. So make sure you're subscribed and uh, have a great rest of your day. Peace and love. We'll see you next time. This is Shane. Take care of yourself and each other.